Yahweh, another opportunity to be about your business, to share your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, Father God, to share this with anyone who would be hearing, that they would listen to the, my voice, they would listen to the words and then turn to your word, Father, seeking you, diligently seeking you and studying the word studying to show themselves approved to the sovereignty that you are, Father God. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for my brothers and sisters, their boldness, courage, and uprightness, Father, to keep them that way. So, a couple things been mulling through my mind here. Holy Spirit guiding thought process and sharing with me and that I'm just kind of observing and paying attention to some to some folks and we got them on both sides of the fence as the saying goes and uh, there's a there's a great breakdown that's taking place that, and we're actually told this is, will happen and it's going to happen. I mean, it's prophesied and we've got it from the Old Testament in through and the New Testament, Jesus even tells us it happens. And, and I think a very poignant place is when Jesus is teaching and there's kind of a lull in the crowd and the small children come and they come running and I can just see it. And I, I, I just get the picture in my head that Jesus is sitting on a stone, much like a stool or even possibly a stool, but he's, he's out in a field and at the edge and the people are have finished and he's finished and he's taking a little pause. And then all the children that were there with mom and dad, they want to come and they want to see this person who is teaching. They're drawn to this man, this man, Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God. And they come and here come the disciples, probably Peter in the forefront. Oh, no, no, no. Lord's in a rest period here. He's taking time off there. You can't come. You can't bother him, but don't bother him. And then what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He rebuked his disciples. He said, suffer not the children come unto me. And then he taught them parabolically speaking. He said, lest ye become as a child, ye shall not see the kingdom of heaven. He didn't chastise him. He gave him a, a gentle rebuke, reminding him that the children are very deserving. I bring that up because it saddens me greatly to look around and see the things that are going on. But here's the thing that I also know. Why are the children under such an attack? Because the enemy, Satan, and his minions, and he has his minions doing this, he knows that the children are 
yet another weak link. Our mind is a weak link, and that's why he attacks our thought process and why he uses that as a venue to, to get in, which is why we must keep on the helmet of salvation. It's an important part of our armor, and we keep that on, and we remind ourselves and think on that thing that took place. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, came to this earth for our sakes. He came for us. While we were still at enmity with God, Jesus came, taught, and tried to bring as many as he could to come around and see what was happening and remind him, just as it was in the days of Noah. And Jesus tells us that. That it shall be as it was in the days of Noah. Brothers and sisters, there are some really nasty things going on in this world. Our mindset is an important aspect and that we are reminded that the helmet of salvation is a part of that armor that we got to keep on. And, and I'm going to hit on this too because, you know, it really drives me. It really, really, really does. That there are individuals out there that are so doggone lazy that they won't put on their armor they don't think that there's any reason and they'll come back to others that will say that we need to, he says, ah, he or she will say, ah, I read the end of the book. We don't need to do that. We win. Well, why it drives me so much is that when I was in the military, we had individuals that were like that. They didn't have to do their part and they didn't have to hold up the end of the load because... It was going to get where it was going anyway because you had 20, 30, 40 other guys that were doing it. So these slothful, lazy individuals that declare themselves to be Christians are actually lying to God. I'm going to bring that to you here in a second. I'm going to bring it. So there's a term. I'm going to go back to these slothful individuals because they read the end of the book and they know that, that, that we win. We win in the end. But do you want to just be part of the victory prayer? Do you want to be one of the conquerors that is being lauded and praised for what took place? Do you want to be that slothful, lazy individual, man or woman, that doesn't do what they are required and requested of God. I mean, did come down and die for you, but then you refuse to do anything else because you just want to sit back and take credit for some things that everybody else is doing. That's what that's all about. But so what they're doing essentially is absolutely, and God already knows and there are, they're just kind of moving in with the crowd and they keep themselves camouflaged so they think that nobody pays attention. And there's people that pay attention. So there's a term, and I'm sure you've heard it, and there's a song, I believe Chris Tomlin sings it. And you've heard it in the scripture, the term is even so come. What does that mean, even so come? Well, 
We, as the body of the church, are the bride in preparation for the coming of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And what that is, even so come, Lord Jesus, even so come. What we are declaring outwardly and openly is that we are doing what it takes to prepare and be ready for his coming. And we are about our father's business in preparation for him to come. So if you are not wearing the armor of God, which God made for each and every single one of us to put on and to be about our father's business and be doing his business in testimony, sharing, teaching, whatever the anointment was. He's called you, he's called all of us, and there's a certain anointing that each one of us have. And if you are not doing that and you want to say, well, I don't have to do anything because I already had a book. Anyway. And so you and your lazy wife or you and your lazy husband, whichever way it goes, it could be a man or a woman in that position. Cause there's women that just sit back and they don't want to go to church. They don't want to do anything. And the husband wants to gather the kids. He wants to go and be there. It's the way they used to be when they first got married or the other way around. Husband wants to stay home, watch TV, wants to stay home, put on the game. Or when you go to church, you don't lift your hands, you don't praise, you just all wore out and you think about what you were doing all day long. I I kind of flash back. I'm going to get a little anecdotal here, I guess you might call it, but I try to stay away from that. But, you know, I remember my father, my earthly father, my earthly father was a firefighter. For 32 years, he was a firefighter. Now, granted, some days they are station-bound and they have chores and things that they have to do to make sure that the equipment and everything is in preparation. But when that alarm sounds at the station house and they drop everything, shut everything down, even when they're in the kitchen cooking... They turn off the gas, they turn off everything, and it just sits, and they go. And they're jumping in their turn turnouts, and they're jumping on that truck, and off they go. 32 years my father did that. And on some days it was a heavy, heavy burden because there was much to be done. And on Sundays when there was an occasion that he was off and not on duty. He didn't take off from church. He didn't take that as a day off. He took that as a day off from the job, but he got up, bathed, cleaned, Shaved, and I can always remember the Old Spice. My father's favorite, I don't know why. Old Spice and high karate. <laughs> and I remember as a child, but Old Spice was his favorite. And I can remember that smell. And I can remember that when that smell started coming and, and wafting its way down through, down the hall and through the house, you better get a move on, better have your shoes on, better be getting ready to go, because that meant that dad was finishing up. 
Dad was getting ready to put on his dress shirt and his tie and put on his Sunday go-to-meeting coat. And we were going to go. And he was about his father's business. The thing that I do remember about my father greatly and in, is that he loved God. He loved his Lord God. And there was not a time that he used anything else as an excuse not to go. And I can remember that there were a couple times when he got injured. There was a time when he got hurt so bad from going in for some foolish man that went back into a burning building. And why did he go back in? Because his stereo was going to get burned up. He was one who started the dog on fire anyway. And then what did my father do? <laughs> because my father saw him first, even as a captain. He didn't direct somebody to go. He went. Because he saw him first. And they saw my father burst through the door and go back into that house. And then the guys went and they started pouring the water in through that door and doing what they could. And they were concerned about my father. They didn't see the guy go in. And then the beam burned through on the end. My dad shoved the guy with his precious stereo toward the door and he went tumbling down the stairs. It's a wonder this inconsiderate individual didn't try to sue the fire department. I might have. I don't know. I was kind of a kid. I just remember my father being injured. And he pushed him out and the beam fell and he was injured. That was the only that was that was the only time that I can remember that my father and of course when he was battling cancer that he didn't go to church and he wasn't at church. Taking a pause here. Pardon me. Bear with me. So when you, when that term, even so come, and that term is used that we give to Jesus, that we're telling Jesus, okay, we're ready. We're, we're doing our father's business and we're in preparation. And even so come, Lord Jesus, even so come. So when you are not being about your father's business and you are being that thoughtful, lazy individual and you're sitting in that chair because your game is on and you get up and you walk out of church early because the game is about to start and you don't share, you don't testify, you don't read your Bible, you don't study to show yourself approved because... We win in the end anyway, so you don't have to do anything. Chat my head. Yes, it does. But that's okay, because you know why? Even so, come, Lord Jesus, because I am doing our Father's business. I am called to share. I'm called to do this thing and be in your word. You are the word, my Lord Jesus. You were with our Father from the beginning in and of our Lord God and you came to teach us. You came and died for me 
And anyone else who believes and says, yes, you are the only begotten son of God, I believe that. Yes, Father, I do believe that and I will have faith in you. The Holy Spirit, come and walk with me, let's go. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. That should be something that you hold on to and when you declare that, you are speaking truth because when when you're not, you're just lying to God. And you think that that's okay. That's the sad part. That's the sad part. That you think it's okay to just sit back and do nothing. Called to be about his business and to share the truth. And you think it's okay not to. Brothers and sisters, Repentance is open to anyone and everyone. That's why I pray for these. I see some of this stuff, these egregious acting politicians are doing to this country and this nation after taking an oath. They, I don't even think they do that anymore. Did, did they even swear in anymore? I don't think so. I've seen so many things going on. They don't do a lot of things that used to be about God. And this nation has definitely turned its back on God. But that's in the Bible. Jesus talks about it. Jeremiah talks about it. Isaiah talks about it. Daniel talks about it. Jesus talks about it. Peter and Paul talk about it. John talks about it. You have to look at these things with spiritual eyesight and spiritual hearing and understand, brothers and sisters, that this is not just something that happened in a book and you're not just reading through a novel or sections of this and their little novellas. It's not what this is about. This book called the Bible is our guidebook. It is our roadmap. It is our instructions written out on how to. So when you're saying, even so come, and you might not even speak it audibly, but what you're doing or not doing is what that's all about. Even so come, Lord Jesus, because I will be about our Father's business. I will be about our father's business until the day that you tell me you're ready for me to come home. I signed that blank contract. But here's the thing too. I'm not gonna get in somebody's face, be all confrontational and say, you need to be there. I'm saying that openly and generally speaking because I don't see any of you. And here's what my mother and father used to say. (laughs) My earthly parents used to tell me, if the shoe fits, wear it. What does that mean? If that affects you or it pertains to you, then be responsible and put that shoe on and make sure that you're correcting what you're doing or not doing. Be corrective. That's what that means. Put the shoe on, you wear it. If it doesn't apply to you, then don't get all rattled about it and get your knickers all in a twist so that you can't sit down in a chair comfortably. And some people will do that. It doesn't even apply to them, but they get all rattled about something that somebody says somewhere down the line. Or somebody didn't even say anything about it in reality, but it's like 
When you were a child, there's a game that we used to play. It's called telephone. Oh, my goodness. And it's very, it very much happens that day. Today. But we used to play it as small children in school. And we would sit in a circle. And the game telephone, the, the person that would start, the teacher would walk around the circle. And then she would touch somebody on top of their head and sometimes she would make up something or um, she would crouch down and she would whisper in someone's ear or she allowed the person to make something up or sometimes she would write down something but she gave that person she touched on the head their instruction was that they had to whisper in the person's ear next to them that phrase that thing or or whatever and they would then, to the next person, to the next person, next person. We're talking about a circle of 15, 20 kids, or possibly even more. I think, uh, I think we had 25 in one class, but it doesn't matter. But they would go, and then the last person, just before getting to that, to the, to the telephone operator, that person would have to tell the whole circle what was said. And at least 95% of the time, maybe even more, it was incorrect. Not even close to what was said or shared. And just like these individuals that get their knickers all twisted up and get all knotted up and get all twisted. And then they sit down in a chair and they can't sit comfortably. And you see them moving around and fidgeting. Why? Because their knickers are all twisted up and they got a big knot. So they can't sit down comfortably. Why did they do that? Because they listened to the telephone. But here's the thing. That not only applies to the game because... They heard that somebody said, that somebody said, that somebody said, that somebody said. So they get all agitated about it. But here's the thing. You got this little electronic device that I'm utilizing right now as a tool. And I, I need to really practice keeping it that way. But see, the prince of the air doesn't want it that way. He wants you to get all caught up in it. He wants you to be all worked up about this device, this telephone. And they do, they get on that thing called social media. Well, here's what I've learned about many of these things in social media. And that term is such an oxymoron because it's in reality quite, it can be if it's used appropriately, but most of the time it's not. You have hackers and scammers. You have liars and thieves. You have those that have nothing better to do than there's a, there's a term that they have on this thing called trolling. And all that person does is they have no thing good to say or do. And they have nothing better to do in their lives than get on this device, supposedly for social media, and they find something and they just start belittling, downgrading, and they'll even come right out and say something. And what they're doing is they're trolling for somebody. And trolling is a term that used in fishing. They come across the top of the surface and they, they're drawing, they're drawing 
the fish out from their, their lair, their hiding place, coming out to strike at that. And then what they're doing is they're doing the same thing. They're trolling to get somebody to come up and bite into their bait. And that bait is that they're wanting to start an argument. Nothing better to do than get somebody to respond to that and argue with them. And then they'll come back two or three times and they just go back and forth. And sometimes an individual will stay on the hook and they're fighting with all they've got, like, they, like they're a big bluefin tuna. They're fighting, 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 and argue back and forth. And this thing just goes on and on. And then the whole subject is gone and they go into something else. Or they're fishing and fishing, P-H-I-S-I-N-G, is they're looking to steal personal information. So this is why I often broadcast or they I post things that you'd be cautious because individuals are using counterfeit sites. They're even hijacking people's profiles and using that and they're sending that to others to get them to click onto these fake links that are sent. And you have, I'm, I try to be very cautious in these things. And I'm, and speaking that now I'm, my niece sent me one. She's um, she's in a uh, degree class. Oh, I'm so proud of this girl. Man, she's going to a really fine school. I didn't know she was trying to go there. And this is I. This is so lovely. But she's going to a university called Cal Poly. They've got a lot of really great sciences there, and she's going through studies right now. And she. Um, I had a class project and there was a link and I didn't want to do it at first, but she responded and said that it was hers. I got to get her to respond back to me. But this is, but this is what they do. They put a lot of fake stuff out there. So you don't want to click on anything unless you confirm it. I had her confirm with me before I would click on it. And I told her I wasn't going to. And I said, I want to make sure this is from you. And she sent me a message back saying that she had done this. I'm okay. And, um, but people do that. So this thing that is supposed to be for social networking or social media, it's a form of media for people to stay socially connected because people don't get out and they don't connect with one another anymore. But what I have found is that this thing is anything but social. There is so much derisiveness so much hatred going back and forth. And now everybody is a professional videographer. When anything goes wrong out there, they want to pull their phone out and take a picture of it and they want to be the first ones to post the story. They want to be a TikToker. They want to be an Instagrammer. They want to be a vlogger. They want to do these things. And they're taking pictures of everything. I've watched people getting beaten up by, and assaulted. These were older people being assaulted. And nobody is lending a hand, but they've all got their phones out and they're all taking pictures of it from different angles. And they're moving around and around and around this thing to get a better angle. And here's this person that's being beaten up. Seriously? And we're supposed to be about our father's business. We're supposed to be sharing. Blessed is a peacemaker. 
Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of things that are going on and people miss this stuff out and they just think it's part of everyday life. It's not part of everyday life. It's part of the derisiveness that the agenda of the dark one, the prince of the air, is pushing for derisiveness. And if he can get you drawn into these things, then he thinks he's winning. But here's what I say. Come what may. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. Doesn't matter what comes. Doesn't matter what the circumstance is. My Lord God is sovereign. My Jesus came and died for me. No greater gift. Remember him saying that? If you're in the Bible, you remember that because he told us that when he was there, when he was getting ready to die. He said, no greater gift. No greater gift than to lay down one's life for a friend, their brother. He called us friends. So let me ask you again, are you his friend? Are you declaring, even so come? Even so come, my Lord. I'm doing what I was called to do. I'm about my father's business. I am sharing and testifying the truth, the gospel. I'm going to the prayer meetings. I'm, I'm in the word when I can. I'm praying when I have an opportunity at work, even through the course of the day, pray continuously. I find a quiet place or even during my job when I'm walking down the aisles, when I'm walking across the floor, when I'm going through the office. I'm thinking about you, God. I'm sending prayers to you. I am about my father's business. It's an important thing that we do our father's business. Brothers and sisters, it is an important thing that we do. And we do that as a representative And here's the other thing. <clears throat> now let me ask you this. And I know that there's some that don't do it because they're doing the same thing that those that claim to be Christians are doing or not doing rather. But look at it this way. That if you are a true believer that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God and God, the scripture tells us that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And if you are an heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven, we are also ambassadors. And as an ambassador, 
what ambassadors really should be doing, and many of them do, and you don't see it happening so much, is they're, um, they do a lot of different things, but I can remember back in the day that the ambassadors were, come from a country, and what they did is they would, <clears throat> promoting promoting their country. So we are <clears throat> heirs and joint heirs of Jesus Christ and the great ambassador from the kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ himself. But if we are not heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, are we not? Then we should be ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven and we should be even more so promoting the kingdom of heaven and being about our father's business and sharing the truth and showing out that thing that he has put in us is his love and compassion and passion for one another. And yet, and yet, there are many that will not and do not that very thing that he has called us to do. And quite honestly, that's pretty shameful and pathetic that you can't even do something so simple. Look, I'm going to share this with you, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own arm. And I guess it sounds like I am, but I mean, here it is. What time is it? It's um, six six thirty in the morning, and the Holy Spirit roused me up. There's some things that I got to go do, but the most important thing was that before I slid out and got going anywhere, even before I went to get my coffee, was to thank God first for my breath and pray for your uprightness, boldness, and your courage through the day to do this very thing that I'm talking about. Be an ambassador. Share that thing that we are told to do. And that is the word of God. This is our guidebook, our roadmap. It is our instruction manual. And don't be like those lazy, like those lazy mounts. Revelation 22, verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And I share that with you to share this. I don't believe that when John wrote that at the end of this, he's not just talking about the book of Revelation. He is talking about back following the rule of fidelity, the rule of faith, going back to the front cover from the book of Genesis, the first, first book of the Bible. And this is where some people will get confused because they're all separated into different books. The book of Revelation, the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah. It's one book. It's his book. It's the word of God. 
And there's a lot of things that took place in here. And if you take away from this, you don't speak the truth in this, and you declare it not to be true, and you don't share in the ambassadorship for the kingdom of heaven. But I want to share with this too with you the importance and this vision that was given to I'm going to the book of Revelation in chapter 5. And there's a lot of things that were going on that John saw and things that that were going on. And it's very important. So I'm going to go and in the vision that, that John was seeing, and and when the vision that he saw in, in chapter 5, and he was talking about that he saw this and he saw... Esau, our God, was holding a book. And the angel was there and he was crying out, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereon? And nobody had come, not in heaven and nobody on earth. And John, John was weeping. Verse 4, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God set forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps, golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Brothers and sisters, our prayers are vital to God. And you see what they see how they do with the prayers in heaven? You see what they do with our prayers in heaven? It is a sweet savor. an aroma, a sweet incense to our Lord God. When we pray and we lift up our prayers to God, sanctified, and he has them, and he saves them, and they are kept. 
And sometimes I get this visual when I'm thinking about God. And sometimes the Holy Spirit allows me to see this image. And he's got, for whatever purpose, he's got these... I didn't quite realize what they were at first, but then the Spirit took me and showed me and explained to me. And he had these vials. He had these golden vials, and he would sit back, and it was his time... I hear the Spirit is is sharing with me, even now. <laughs> I've shared this. Thank you, Aman. I've shared with you this expression. God takes time to listen to those that take time to pray. And that just really, the Holy Spirit just really opened this up. So the image that I've been getting, and I was getting this before, and now it means even more, is that God is sitting back in what we would perceive as his quiet time or his downtime. But the scriptures tell us that God does not sleep, nor does he slumber. Slumbering is that time where you're sort of half asleep, you're sort of, you, you, you're not really, uh, we'll look at it as the wind down at the end of a work day. You're getting ready to go home, so you're sort of sitting there, basically just going through the motions. God never does that. God is always paying attention. And the image that I saw was sometimes he had these, he had these little vials, what we would call bottles. And and he and he could do it with one hand. You, any of us can do this sort of, and I've done it with things here. When I'm trying to do something, I've got one hand working. I'm trying to open a bottle with one hand, and it gets difficult. So we got to put things, whatever you're doing, down and quickly go over and undo the step. But he just sits back and he's sort of holding this thing in his hand, and and he can turn it with a thumb and forefinger, but he doesn't take it all the way off. And then I see him take a, like, takes a, an inhale. And he breathes this in and smiles. And now, of course, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that these golden vials have always been, but more of a revelation to me now and sharing deeper with me that what I had been perceiving when I saw that image of my Lord, my God, that he was enjoying the savor, the sweet savor of the prayers. God takes time to listen to them that take time to pray. You take time to pray to God, he's listening, always listening. So when God was at the vials, he was, he was enjoying the prayer that was coming up. It's as if it's a sweet incense and he was bringing that in. He was inhaling that sweet aroma of prayers coming from us. Whenever we pray to Abba Yahweh, any declaration in prayer to him, it brings a smile to his face. He's enjoying that sweet incense smell. And that's what it's like to him.
Brothers and sisters, when you're saying, even so come, you better be speaking truth because trust me when I tell you this, if you are declaring that and you're not preparing and you're not sharing and you're not even doing what God has asked you to do to be about his business, then indeed, and I'm gonna call you on this and call it what it is, you're lying. You're lying to others who are members of the body and you think that you're getting away with something because you're not doing what God has called you to do. Share the truth. Be about his business. It's the only thing that Jesus has to do. And then you'll have those that are gonna gripe about tithing and offering. Oh, it's not, and we gotta tithe, and we gotta offer, we gotta this, and we gotta that. Well, again, let me go back and share this with you. The only thing God asks us is the first 10% that it's part of the first fruit. So when you get up first thing in the morning that you offer that tithe of prayer and thanks and praise to God, that we offer that up before you start the day. Be in prayer. A little bit of a sacrifice, but you know, a lot of people will throw back the covers and they jump right out and they turn over on the bed and then they get going. Be about our Father's business. Be an ambassador. I think it's very cool to be, you know, and I <laughs> I would think that ambassadors, I, I used to think this when I was um, in my studies in school, quite honestly, I thought it was better to be an ambassador than being anything else. I thought it was better than being president. Especially in, in these days when these leaders of the country are doing such terrible things. Jung or whatever that guy's name is over there in Korea treating people so egregiously and pretending to be something that he's not. And then you have the the other countries that are pretending to be something that they're not. And then in our own country, we have somebody who's pretending to be something that he's not. It's very sad, but here's the thing. Those individuals, I still pray. I probably, no, I need to, I need to be mentioning them by name specifically and praying for them. And I just kind of put them in a lump some pop, but they need prayers. We are told to pray for them. Paul wrote in his letter to his young protege that we are to pray for the kings and elders, kings and princes. Bible speak for some nations in this world today still have kings and princes. Many have presidents and governors and mayors. And that's Bible speak when they're talking about kings and princes. They're talking about everyone collectively up there that have that. And we're to pray for them. So that they're doing the right thing. And offer those prayers up because that's what we're told to do. I pray for them. I don't like everything they're doing. But here's the thing too. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we have to like everyone. Jesus didn't like everybody. I, I'm telling you right now, when he went in front of the Sanhedrin and before he got up there and started talking to him, I know and I am believing and persuaded that when he was being 
pushed into the doorway, I know he was rolling his eyeballs and thinking, Father, here we go again. But he always spoke truth. And even when he was dying on the cross, before he gave up his last breath, and he even looked down at those that were throwing stones at him, dirt clods and spitting in his direction because he was up on the cross, they couldn't reach him. But they were there. They wanted to see their handiwork. We got him crucified. Yeah, we did. The only thing of it is that you didn't realize that it was already planned to happen. He was sent to be the sacrificial lamp to cleanse and your souls and to die for you as well. But you still scream and curse. And when he lifted his head up and weeping, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And when they heard that, they dropped everything they were doing. They looked in astonishment. For his compassion is love. Don't have to like everyone. I mean, come on. The reality is that you have husbands and wives been married. And they, they may not like each other at a particular moment in time. But let's not get that confused with love, which many do. I've shared with you already that I am one of those guilty of that very thing. Living the consequential life I have, I laid down, but forgiven of my Lord, my God, forgiven of my eldest son's mom, but he, and I still have to pray for him. And this is what we do. We pray one for another because we are told to do so. Forgiveness is powerful. This is what we do. So when we pray for those kings and princes, we're praying that they repent and they come to God for forgiveness. It can happen and you cannot judge them. Cannot judge them for what they're doing. I don't like what they're doing. And much of it is just absolutely despicable, but we still need to pray for them because they can before that last trump, before the heavens rent open and Jesus comes as a lion of the tribe of Judah, which is promise that's gonna happen. Before that day and before everyone falls on their knees to confess that he is Lord and King before that time, they could repent and turn so that when they fall on their knees, they're doing so out of the compulsion that they have in their heart because they know it to be true that he is Lord of Lord, King of Kings, my Lord, my Jesus has come to take me home to heaven. It can happen and we cannot say something like, oh, it'll never happen so you're not gonna pray for him. We are told to do so in the Bible, the word of God Follow the rule of faith from front cover to back cover, back cover to front cover again. And remember that thing that's in the final chapter in, in 2219. When John wrote that down, and I believe that he is talking not specifically about only the book of Revelation, but he's talking about the entire book from front to back. Because if you're not believing those words, and you don't follow the tenets of the Lord God Almighty because you're not in the book and you're not studying to show that you are approved of the Lord God, 
and you're not being a good ambassador. And so when you're declaring, even so come, you're lying. Don't do that. It's not good to try to lie to God. You can try all you want to, and there's some that still do. But God is aware and knows all things. He does not slumber and he does not sleep. He's got vision on everything we do always. Some of the most important things we do are pray. Take those prayers. Remember, he has those little golden vials. He just looses that top and he takes that deep inhale and he breathes that sweet incense of our prayers, the prayers of the saints. Never is that word singular. Never do you see anywhere in the Bible, the only only place that you see that is from mammon. And mammon does not have the authority to declare anyone a saint. The only declaration of sainthood comes from heaven, that authority. That's the only place it comes from. And God declares all of his children, true believers, declaration that we are all saints. And it's always plural. Never anywhere can you find in the Bible the word saint. And we are told to pray one for another, lift each other up, and that we are part of the body Individual you might be, but you're part of a whole. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. Be about our Father's business. Be a good ambassador. Looking forward to that place and that you want people to come and share that. I mean, goodness gracious. If you were to write a brochure, you have the bluest sky, you have the greenest grass, and the flowers that are visible are that you'll see in your walk up there are so beautiful. The colors are so vibrant because everything's clean. Everything is clean. You're in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? 